book is Animal Farm by George Orwell. Ah, you remember the name of the author. That never happens. I'm so proud of you. This is a father-daughter <laughs> book review podcast where we pick a book each month, read it, and then we talk about it on here. If you are new, thank you for joining us this month for our new book. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Up to. I entered into a writing competition. Excellent. Um, it was a 100-word story, Mission Contamination, so you had to make something that fit into that category. And I don't know if I won yet. I am planning on posting the story on Reading Radio. Yeah. What nice. about you? What are you up to? Well, I've refigured my other podcast, Be Better Tomorrow, a little bit more of me, although I do have some st- awesome guests still coming up. Just recorded with Rick Copland last night. Um, so... No, not last night. Maybe a few nights ago now. <laughs> That'll be still be really good. Work's doing well. Getting ready for the holidays. Trying to figure out how how, how all that's going to look because it's always a stressful, crazy time. This is the time where I wish we'd record in it, some stuff in advance so we didn't have to do anything for December. We should have done Chronicles of Narnia for December. We did that last year, though, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So Can't do Chronicles of Narnia every... Well, we could, actually. We could do it for seven years every December. We could do one Chronicle of Narnia <laughs> but the rest of them aren't nearly as winter-themed as the first one, so there you go. So George Orwell, ni- 1984, Animal Farm. That's the one we're doing. Yes. Oh, that's how you knew the name of the book. You have it sitting over there. I remembered it. I did not look over there because you didn't know the book was over there until just now. Fair enough. So I picked well, I picked Animal Farm uh, as our one of our classics. Again, if you're new, we go kind of go back and forth where I pick some of the classic books and Laura picks some of the newer fiction books. And we'd love to have people read along with us, to have discussions on our Facebook group, all that good stuff. Um, this is a classic that I think is, it's not, maybe not a great book, but it's, it's important to read because of the impact it's had on our political discourse. Just the term Orwellian has become a, a pretty important topic. And it's just is something it like Muggle, it's in the dictionary now. Uh, probably. I haven't actually looked it up, but I would guess. It's used all the time. More about 1984 than Animal Farm, but 1984, as I remember, is a little bit more adult, so maybe a year or two. I'd be a little more comfortable with you reading it. Or I have to read it again to remember if my memory's correct, because it's probably been 10 years since I read it in the first place. Wow. But this one is a little bit more straightforward. Um, overall, what were your first impressions? What'd you think? It seemed like a very interesting concept. Okay. It sounds like a concept of a children's picture book. Yeah, I could see that. Now, did you did yours have an introduction to like explain the background to the book or anything, or just jump right into the story? If it did, I skipped it. <laughs> okay. Because <clears throat> I know the audiobook I listened to was probably a good hour, hour and a half of introductory information um, about the time period it was written in. Or things Orwell has said about it as he wrote it, what he was trying to accomplish. This was the first time he actually tried to write kind of an allegorical political book. Um, we don't have to get into all the meanings of everything and that sort of that sort of thing, but we can move along past past all that and jump jump right into the story. So uh, overall, on a scale of one to ten, or sorry, one to five, five being everybody should read this book. One should be why did they waste the paper? What is your score for Animal Farm? Three. Three, right? Solid down the middle. I'm going to go probably three and a half. I think just for the the impact it's had overall. So would you like to give the spoiler-free summary of the book? This book is about animals that take over their farm and kick out the humans and start running it like animals. 
All right. So they get rid- pretty basic. Get rid of the farmer so they don't feel like a slave to the farmer anymore. And mm-hmm. calamity ensues, as it were. We can't really get much more into it without giving away any spoilers, huh? Not really. All right. We'll be back with our spoiler zone. Full discussion right after this word from our sponsors. All right. Welcome to the spoiler zone. <laughs> welcome to this. All right. Welcome to the spoiler zone. Now we're going to talk about this book as if we've all read it. And if you haven't and you don't want to be spoiled on a book that's, I don't know, 60 years old, you probably should turn this off, go read the book, and come back at a later time. And if you don't care, just listen and don't say we didn't warn you. Fair enough. All right, so this is your first time reading the book. Why don't you give me some initial thoughts about what you read and what you thought? Well, it was interesting how some of the animals took advantage of the fact that they didn't have to work and became lazy about it. And the other animals pushed harder because they knew they were it was for their own benefit. All right, so Boxer, the horse? Yeah. His name, right? He was, he was I will work harder. <clears throat> the pigs kind of took over. Do you think that has any, I don't know, realistic relationship to people and our culture? I mean, I feel like if you're going to try to bake a cake or something, you're going to work harder to make it better if you're going to be the one to eat it. But if someone else is going to eat it, you're just be like, eh, it's a cake. You guys can have fun with it. Okay, so that's why you think the animals would work harder? Because they were actually seeing the benefits of their labor? Yeah. Okay. And so, doesn't everybody to some degree see the benefits of their labor? To some degree. I mean, if the company does well, then you get to keep your job or get a bonus, maybe? <laughs> Something like that? Mm-hmm. But do you think there's some people like the pigs that take advantage of the situation and work smarter so they don't have to do the actual physical labor but do all the planning and that's oversight? That's that's, that's you? You're the supervisor? Mm-hmm. How's that work out for you? Good. What's the la- So it's not really lazy because you're, you're trying to get the job done well. I have no problem with that. It's only when you would skirt out of work and try to make, I don't know, your sister do it or something would be <laughs> kind of negative, which you don't really do. I'm not... I'm that just you know of. Well, that's fair. As long <laughs> as I don't know and she doesn't mind, then we're all fine. So how do you think the idea of Old Major lays out early in the book his... Uh, Beasts of England story and the tales of what could be. How do you think that affects like the rest of what's going on? I think that's what I think this is laid out what they were um, hoping for and what it's possible they could get. And then when they kind of realize that's not as possible as I thought, they their work slowed down. Do you think it was impossible from the beginning? Like it was just a utopian pipe dream? I think so. Why is that? I mean, because there's still humans that aren't going to want to trade with pigs. So they're going to have troubles getting money and stuff. But they could have been completely self-sustaining. Theoretically. But I still think that's quite difficult. Well, maybe. I wouldn't think if you're animals, like, you don't need a whole lot. What do they really need money for except when they tried to expand themselves into se- selling their goods instead of just... Eating it con- themselves. Or, yeah, creating it and consuming it. I'm assuming nobody's coming to collect property tax on them, so they could have simply been self-sustaining instead of having to, to mm. pay somebody. What was your overall thought of the book, now that you've asked me questions? I mean, I've, I've enjoyed the book. I think it's written n- neatly enough that you, it can be read by younger folks. We didn't do our ages in the pre-question, or the pre, pre-spoiler topic, I just realized. So we could circle Oops. back around to that at the end, just to remember. Um, I've enjoyed the book. I think it... I see a little bit more probably of the political connection than you do. I mean, this was written to describe World War II's uh, socialist and communist regimes between Stalin and Hitler. And the things that, so the pigs then were, were like Stalin and or Hitler. And Squealer, for example, is Joseph 
Goebbels, Goebbels, I forget, he was the, uh, propaganda, the propaganda minister for not Nazi Germany. So all the things that they would come out and say, they would pitch it as something that sounds great. Squealer was always really good at saying, oh no, comrades! At least that's how they said it in my audiobook. He said, comrades. I don't know why. <laughs> it was like that one where it had an accent, or he was playing on red, because red is the communist color. I'm using air quotes for the people at home. But that's beside the point. He'd come out and say, oh, don't think, it, don't think it's like that. The pigs aren't not working. They're working twice as hard. They're simply working at planning, which is a much harder labor. You don't want to take that burden upon yourself. Let them do it. They're making the sacrifice for your benefit. So he makes it sound good, and since the animals aren't super smart, they They're animals, after all. Right. They fall for it. And I think a lot of cases you find in any of those, in any of the countries that have gone to like a more socialist area, you always have this elite group of people that are running things. And I think that's what Orwell was trying to point out. So I see kind of through a different lens than you do, because I'm kind of a, well, used to be more of a political junkie. And I'm an adult, so I've lived through a lot more of these things, know a little bit more about history. Um, so that's why I was more interested in seeing what you'd think coming into it's like fresher eyes. <clears throat> Is this something that resonated with you? Did it make sense? Did it, did it frustrate you at points? Do you, you know, do you see that in reality or anything like that along the line? I'm also just compar- like, as you mentioned, the propaganda that just reminded me of Hunger Games, how they're making it seem like a better thing than it is. So some people think they're making, well, it's better for some people, but not better for everyone. Yeah. So as long as it's better for the pigs, then everything's good. Yeah. What about changing the rules? I. It reminds me of, I can't remember what time this was, but when there was only... The Bible is still in Latin, and they could, they would read it to the people, but it wasn't exactly what it said, because they could say whatever, and no one could say it was wrong, which was like the animals, because the not everyone could read the signs, and then the one who could, could alter it freely and not be told, that's not what it says. What does it actually say? Yeah, that's interesting. I never put that together. I don't know that anyone misread the Bible intentionally, but they definitely misinterpreted or interpreted yeah. it for their benefit. That's mostly what I meant. Yeah, nice. That's a good insight because I had never put that put that together. But it's interesting that the Orwell states like the animals were forgetful. They they said they misremembered the rules. They they bought into the lie they were being told, or at least they never questioned it. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Kind of the way I've read of people doing in countries where they're they're a lot more. Under a lot more of a dictatorship, they may or may not know the things are being told are lies, but they just have to accept them because if you don't internalize them, you're going to say something wrong. And if you say something wrong, you disappear in the middle of the night. And so you just accept it, you treat it like it's truth, and you say it, and then you almost start believing it as a result. Because you only know what you're told. Right. Like, I see that in a lot of more children dystopian books. The main character, whoever that is only knows what they're told and then they find out what they're told is wrong and that there's really some evil person destroying the universe behind it right there's always something else going on yeah but they've just been told the same thing all like to some degree the hunger games you can see that where this is just the way things are it's and i'm sure the people in the capital were kind of told it's the way it has to be to keep peace because I'm sure not everyone in the capital agrees with it. We know not everyone in the capital agrees with it. Right. So it's the same thing here. We've got we've got people being, well, animals, being told that this is what's happening. It's for your good. We're working for this benefit. Some of them didn't care. Some of them didn't pay attention. And then eventually they get the dogs, and that becomes the problem. 
the dogs become the mili- arm of the military. Where even if you, even if you don't believe what the pigs are telling you, you you can't say otherwise. You can't question them, because then you get put on a list. You're a traitor, and you get executed. You know, we saw that with several of the animals. Just I don't know why the animals confessed. That they never covered. So they, you know, obviously they they weren't helping Snowball, but they confessed to helping Snowball only to be executed. Hmm. So why? I know in real life why somebody might do that, but they never... Why? Well, it could be because they had family. If you don't confess, we'll kill your family too. Okay, fine, I'll confess. You know, you see But that? none of the animals really had family. Well, right, they never addressed that. So the, I think he just went along with, we know that this happens, I'll write this, so they make people make the connection in real life, but we'll let it go. Yeah. So there's a lot of subtle and not-so-subtle lessons in authority, or list, obeying authority, education, or at least indoctrination... Um, knowledge of history and things like that. Anything in there kind of resonate with you? Not really. I mostly just saw it like as a story. I don't didn't see as much of the deep connections as you're talking about. Hmm. What about with the why the pigs take the puppies away from their mothers? Remember, they took the puppies away. They put them up in their in the house with the pigs. They were edu- they were seeing personally to their education, and then the next time you really see the puppies, they're the military. They're the dogs. They're the enforcer for the pigs. Because they need someone to do it, and why not take the young? Because their brain is still malleable. Like Ender's Game, you take the kids, turn them into soldiers for a war that may or may not ever happen. Right. Reason number 857, why we homeschool. What are the rest? (laughs) I don't know. I throw out a random number every time I say that. (laughs) But there is something to be said for the schools were in some way originally created for, for this get everybody in the same page so they can be good citizens because we have people coming, especially in America, coming from all over the world with yeah. different cultures and we want everyone to have a shared culture. Um, to some degree now, people just run with that and I think kids, that, can, kids end up being taught things that maybe their parents do or, do or don't agree with and when they're younger, that's a little more troublesome. When they're older, okay, you've got the brain now that you can hear, hear a thought, roll, you know, think about it critically, we can discuss it, you can come to your own decisions. But when you're young, you believe everything adults tell you. And so I think they took the puppies away so the moms couldn't have an influence on them. And the puppies would simply be what they wanted them to be, which was their arm of enforcement. Yeah. Which is sad, though, because they're just turning them into what they, what they think they need to be. Not letting them shape themselves. Exactly. Or the family shape them. Yeah, I'm sure there was some brainwashing going on there. And um, Hitler did the same thing with with his Hitler Youth Organization, which you saw in the movie Swing Kids when we watched it. Mm-hmm. They had like the place where they put to put all the teenagers, and the one guy who was so anti Hitler at the beginning ends up being like the staunchest supporter of the Nazis by the end of the movie because he was just being indoctrinated constantly. So it's been a technique used by by governments for you know as long as there's been governments take people take especially the young mold them into the clay you want them to be then by the time you're done with them they've been fired and hardened it's really hard to break out of that pattern all right so which was your favorite character probably boxer why is that it was just interesting his work that he just kept pushing until he couldn't do it anymore it was really sad though because he was going to retire he was always looking for like he worked hard so that he could have that retirement and then they sent him off to the glue factory that was really sad too. I know, and like even at that point, the animals didn't realize. Stop it, because there are animals that could read, and no, it wasn't. But by that point, who could have led a rebellion? Once Boxer was gone, he was the only one that had like strong hooves for kicking. 
<laughs> no one else really could have led a rebellion against Napoleon and the, and the other pigs, right? Yeah. And they took him away, and he was never heard from again. Right. Oh, same with Snowball. Like, we assume Snowball got killed at some point. He's probably the only one who could have come back and maybe led a rebellion. But he, by that, again, by that time... The pig's grasp was so strong. Then they had the dogs. I think it constantly comes back to who, whoever controls the military. Whoever has the guns has the power. Right. Anything else to discuss? It's a pretty short book. I don't know that we need to have a whole lot else. And by the end, the pigs are, like, wearing the human's clothing. They keep altering the rules so they can have the human necessities, like the bed. And by the end, they're walking around, and you couldn't... It said you couldn't tell the difference between the pigs and the animals anymore. The pigs and the humans anymore. Right, when they look in at that final feud inside. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about the animals or or the, the pigs or the humans. <laughs> Probably not anything good about either one of them. No. But I think it's, again, I think that's human nature. People who... Uh, Lord Acton, I think his name was. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. As the pigs took control, even if they had decent intentions from the beginning, by the time they get control and they're running with power, it corrupted them to the point where they were no longer really seeking the good of Animal Farm. They were seeking the good of themselves and turned into the exact thing that they rebelled against in the beginning, which was humans. Yeah. So if we accept the fact that Jones was a buffoon and evil ahead of time and they rebelled against him and the rebellion was good, then all that happens is the people that get to be in charge end up being that same villain by the end of it. It just keeps going downhill. Yep. Reason number 756, I'm an anarchist, but that's that's a whole other story. All right, so let's go back. What was the age age range, you think, on this book? I don't know. Okay, talk about that. Um, Like, as a story, there was nothing inappropriate graphic but like to understand the concepts i don't understand those so the story probably like seven or eight okay the reading level you think was fine yeah the reading level is fine i just like don't know if they'll get the underneath concepts and i don't know what age to do that considering i don't get them well that's more of what you know about history than any particular age range and i think it can be just a story uh there's a lot of fairy tales and um, allegories that sit in your consciousness until you they're un- needed yeah until you understand what they were relating to and then it's oh now i get what they were talking about all that time but by that time that story's already in your head so that it, it helps you to understand as you move forward it's wonderful things about books and stories they can relate so much more than just the story itself because then you'll understand how it's supposed to happen like how it affects people. Yeah, you understand you understand a lot more of those concepts. It's also good for what ifs. Always good for what ifs and fan fiction. You should write fan fiction where Snowball comes back and leads a rebellion. <laughs> that would be fun. All right, anything else? Uh, just to say thank you for listening. Again, if it's your first time, we ask that you head over to our website, reading-radio.com, and subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. We'll be posting on reading-radio.com slash bookstore the books we have upcoming in the future. Go ahead and grab those. Read along with us. Post questions. Send us emails. Um, all sorts. Anything else you want to do to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. That's all I have. Our next book is going to be The Game Changer by Margaret Peterson Haddix. Oh, yeah. Doing another MPH book. <laughs> um, it's a really good book. It's shorter as well. Yeah. You can read the rest to find out more about it. So you've read this already? Yeah, I was like 
a year or two ago. All right, so we'll both read it. We'll catch up, figure out uh, where we go from there. So 2020, oh my gosh, January 2020, will be Margaret Peterson Haddock's Game Changer. The book for the month of my birthday. There you go. All right, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, Bye.